This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Raslan, today we have the returns of, she is a producer at BFM, and her name is, do- is not doctor, when I'm saying this, the next guest, is <laughs> Julian Yap. Hello. Hi, Julian. And uh, I gave it away a bit. She is a um, playwright and researcher, she told me to say, Dr. Anne Lee. Hi, Cam. Hi, Julian. And our three topics uh, today will be, topic number one is K-pop band BTS and their army. Topic number two is the dangers of doom scrolling. And finally, topic number three is the toothpaste collection of Dr. Val Korpikov. You only get that here on a bit of culture. <laughs> uh, so um, BTS and their army, Julian. Who would have guessed this would have come from me? Yeah, what have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think, so this is a, a very new thing that's come into my life. I've, within the last two or three weeks, become a fan of BTS, the K-pop group, for anyone who doesn't know who's listening, is right now probably one of the biggest K-pop groups in the world because they've sort of um, transcended the, bar- the the boundaries of South Korea, Western music. You know, they've they've topped the Billboard charts for weeks now, and they don't seem like they're stopping. And I wanted, can I just ask if either of you are fans? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know of them. I've seen videos, yep. yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I know of them and I've seen videos. <laughs> okay, I mean, cool. I didn't think you'd have seen videos, so. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm aware that they have made videos, should I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up until a week ago, I wasn't, I wasn't interested in, in anything they, that they've ever done, but I am obsessed right now. And, and what I want to talk to, wanted to talk about today is, I mean, I can talk about their music and everything, but the most interesting thing for anyone, I think, even outside of this very specific group of people around the world who are fans of this group is that their army of fans, which is mil- like over a million strong around the world, it is unparalleled around the world in, in terms of any sort of fan base, any sort of, in any sort of pop culture. And I think that it's a great um, marketing study to be honest. Like it's a, maybe just a very, very good marketing campaign for one of Korea's most successful um, cultural exports in the last few years, but it worked on me, and I think it's very interesting to see. So, um, so the most interesting thing, of course, is that this army, mostly made up of teenagers, a lot of the time young girls, not necessarily, um, they have basically taken it upon themselves to, you know, spread the gospel, show the world who who BTS is, to basically just support them and get them to where they have gotten today um, to show them that the love that they think that they deserve. And I think that's incredibly admirable. And then also in the way that they've kind of um, took it, you know, took up arms to do it together. So um, when a song is released, you get um, a lot of, com- you get, you get a lot of messages kind of floating around. You get Twitter trends worldwide sort of saying, stream this song at this time at 6 p.m. We want this to get to the top of the charts, to get this to the most listened, the most listened song in 24 hours. And you don't see that a lot, I think. Mm. With the, you don't see that with a lot of bands. And- so Julian, at this late stage in your life, <laughs> did, did you imagine that you would, would suddenly become a, teeny bopper fan oh no absolutely absolutely not but who's to say you know the, the <laughs> who'd have thunk but no definitely not and i think 
it's not impossible because of how strong that fandom is and how 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 much love and support that a lot uh, that a lot of these young people kind of give to each other and towards the group themselves and down it works down like the group towards their fans as well mm. i've always absorbed this sort of peripherally i'd see the twitter trend it uh, bts um bts fans are sort of a joke in terms of social media pop culture you'll see you know, ah, oh, the BTS fans have got it. They've got into it again. You know, you get the sort of news stories once in a while. You get how the fans have kind of taken over the Blue Lives Matter hashtag. With they flooded it with um, pictures of their favorite member because they've they've reclaimed a space that typically would have been claimed by people who in, in basically want you know want to spread messages mm. that aren't. Good yeah. ones. Well, here, here in a bit of culture, we treat all these things with respect, obviously. So, uh, Dr. Ann Lee, uh, do you want to pass judgment on the, the BTS? Uh, <laughs> movement? I, 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 I mean, like Korean pop culture has been huge for so long now, right? I mean, the dramas first and then kind of and now. Uh, um, and I think BTS, I'm not really sure. I mean, they look like like the kind of so many of the boy bands that have come out, right, uh, of the stable of whether it's a TV station or something. Uh, so they have that very beautiful androgynous uh, kind of look. Um, and they sing, you know, they sing reasonably, reasonably I was, it's not like they, they can't sing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, dance down, they dance well and so on. But I don't really know how come BTS has so much appeal. And um, yeah, I mean, Julian, so you're interested in, the phenomenon of the fandom as mm -hmm. such. But you said you're obsessed. I am obsessed. And I think Why are you obsessed with I mean, they look beautiful. Uh is 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 that part of it? I because I, I, I can see that appeal. Mm -hmm. Um and for maybe young teenage, I mean this idea that you know you're kind of coming to a burgeoning sort of sexuality and these guys are they're older and so on, but they're they kind of look kind of harmless, you know, because they're not kind of that sort of super mega toxic masculinity or whatever we want to jump into uh <laughs> is that is that part of the definitely like what you said but um i think to preface that i have not ventured too too much into k-pop um for anyone who's listening if there is anything please correct me but um i think especially with this group bts they've put a lot of work into strengthening the message of their music and of their entire brand really that what they do is they want to support young people and give young people a voice to say that you are enough to tell tell young people that mental health issues are normal and to and should be accepted and are not the end of it all you know you can work through it all we will be there to help you through it all and i think that is one of the most standout things to me that struck me the most they're also incredible performers i don't think there are perform you know like they're beyonce level but there are seven of them <laughs> um they're Ooh. it's un it's it's, sure? it's it's pretty oh. incredible to see them Perform. I've only done. I've only watched videos, of course, but I think going to a concert would have, would be incredible. <laughs> but, but hang on, you said about the the uh, mental health and consciousness and all that. Is it the band themselves who are pushing this thing, or is it just the the fans have sort of hijacked the brand and, and are saying we are this? 
No, it's um, it was I think very early on their name, their the name of the band itself, BTS, is short form I guess for Bangtan Soyandan, which is bulletproof boys. I think if if that's 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 a full name, um, basically saying that young people are at the sort of butt of everything that happens around us. A lot of the time, forgotten, and from the start, the the identity of our group is that we are going to show people that. We cannot be affected by by anything that comes at us. We have the strength and giving young people that strength, which might seem kind of smirking. So no, which, no, no, no. I, I was I, there was a fly. I was <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but it might seem a little bit cheesy, and it might seem insignificant for anyone who's older. I it, a lot of the messages don't necessarily aren't necessarily important or resonant for me now that I've in like in my twenties. But if I were a young teenager, if I was someone who needed to hear that, if I was in a bad place in my life at the moment, I think that if you hear the biggest group in the world say something like that, I think that's hard to ignore. Well, I mean, you know, I just that I, I I think we know we've all been here before though. Uh, it's just that it, it's David Bowie, but with social media. Oh, completely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the Beatles, but with social media, uh, it it can stretch around the world, and the fans themselves can get into a conversation with each other wherever they may be in the world, where which was not possible in the sixties and seventies, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I was back in the day. I was a Durani. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, thank you. And uh, and where well, can you compare? Is there any thing that you've ever been a member of? Um. Yeah, uh, Bowie, but Bowie was kind of always a bit sort of um, a bit sophisticated. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think I just kind of liked very uh, run of the mill. I, you know, oh. it wasn't very yeah. middle of the road, eh? Oh, okay. Wait, 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 wait! <laughs> no, Kenny G for Anne Lee. I, I get it. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm reminded of Eddie Van Halen, who, whoa, had Indonesian mother, right? So anyway, aside from that, uh, I did have um, a time of uh, rock, heavy rock, rock, mm. as in, you know, um, ACDC, um, Scorpion. Yeah, but, I mean, ACDC were definitely not championing uh, mental health issues and uh, the like. No, they were not. No, true. They were not. They were not. You know, like a, like a, a, a total kind of absorption into oh. the association with that music. I mean, to but, me, it was uh, so can, yeah. sorry, sorry. Can, so can I ask just to, to round off? Um, Julian, it's time of COVID-19. We can't travel anywhere. You've just discovered BTS. Given the chance, though, would you be flying off to wherever to go see them live? Absolutely. I cannot wait for there to be a vaccine, for everyone to feel safe again. And I, because I think that that, that concert would be life-changing. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I, I'm going to ask uh, producer Ali if we can play out with a, Ooh, Ali, a BTS please. song. But I, I, I mean, no promises. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, so we're going to move on to topic number two, which is uh, the dangers of doom scrolling. And so, do, uh, you know, we all do scrolling, be it through Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, you just scroll, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And nowadays in this age of Trump, but also late stage Trump as well, there's a sense of scrolling to see the doom, the end of the world. And I don't look at my Facebook much anymore because I think people only really post either the best moments of their lives or the worst so it's, it's like, it's either Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous at, or the obituaries page of the NST. 
as, as like there's there's kind of nothing in between, and I, it just makes me feel sad. But um, one of the things about Facebook, indeed, news telling now, to a lesser degree, uh, Twitter, is with this doom scrolling, it's about emotions. You're you you are being asked, you're being told to commit emotionally to the things that you read. Back in the old days, it was, I think there was a consensus amongst, you know, the handful of uh, news organizations that the top story was pretty much the same thing. The second story was the same thing. And the third one was the same thing. But now we're actually being sold in motion. And so I get scared when I'm doom scrolling that I'm feeling so many different emotions from hatred to one moment I'm, I'm angry, the next I'm crying, and then uh, 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 and I'm feeling all these emotions, and I, I think it's very scary. I don't know. What, do you, do you p- people have emotional, is there doom scrolling in your lives? Or has BTS made, made you free? Uh, I'll let Dr. Ant take this. Well, I definitely agree. I think the, the kind of um, prolonged staying at home or staying kind of within certain confines of, you know, um, your behavior and you, you, uh, I think definitely there is, sometimes I feel it's a little bit like a kind of like mammogram in slow motion or something, you know, you, you, I think definitely, I mean, news though, I think has been about a lot of emotion. I mean, and the idea that, you know, you, you, you get, bad news, good news, and, you know, the, the, the last part of the news bulletin is something to kind of send you back up again in terms of mood. Um, but I was off social media for a while uh, because I, I, yeah, I just thought, you know what, this is, a, this is actually kind of drawing me down. And mm. I have a Twitter account from a long time ago, like 2009 or something, and an Instagram account and then and Facebook. And Facebook is the kind of elderly uh, one of the three, I think. And Twitter is the sort of younger, um, zappier, uh, you know, it's like 24, hour, 24 second CNN, you know, it's, it's that much faster and the emotions are that much quicker. But I've gone back on lately because I kind of, I think I went too far the other way, you know, like without any of it, any connection with a sort of zeitgeist or, or with friends. I mean, I have a lot of friends on that I don't, see every day like even pre-covidian times uh but i i kind of then got back on i've got back on more 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 recently to to connect in a way to kind of see and i have maybe a little bit more kind of i'm measuring for myself the idea okay there's only so much bad news i can take or you know you 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 ration yourself certain amount of time maybe at breakfast large or you know that kind of thing rather than having having the accounts on all the time mm. uh in the background like 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 you know um, yeah so yeah. so i understand that 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 you you know doom scrolling that it can feel ultimately very, very negative not very yeah. negative julian um for me i don't I, this is personal experience i don't know if this is the same for a lot of people around me but um i think Doom scrolling has never had an effect. It's never felt like doom scrolling. I think. I think there there is obviously a generation of young people who have grown up with constant a constant stream of news, um, and at, at a very fast pace, and also at a very at, and also very bad. <laughs> a lot of bad things happening 
all of the time, all at once. And it has, so I don't, when I heard, when the term started getting traction, the term doom strolling at the start of this year, it was, I think the most, the, the most we heard of it. Um, I don't, it didn't feel like doom scrolling. I didn't understand what doom scrolling was because um, I didn't feel it. It was almost like the, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not, I'm not empathizing with any sort of news that I'm reading, but it was also sort of, these are headlines and these are, this is the news of the day. And I think um, you'll see this, I, I, I'm going to, this is a, an assumption on my end, but I think you'll see this quite clearly in the way that younger people, especially teenagers today, um, in their early 20s and how they react to news. Um, you look at how um, young people, especially on TikTok, react to news and how they com their, their, their commentary on news is very interesting because it is a lot more um, satirical. They do kind of take the, the, the more cynical route of it because the world has been so cynical around them. And I don't know if that's going to double by the time we hit, we hit the end of the year we don't know how much worse the news is going to be but yeah i don't the i think the only time doom scrolling ever really hit me was probably the start of the black lives matter protests i saw you know when videos were circulating it was there was a point where i had to switch off the switch off my phone i couldn't take it but other than that it's been yeah this is the news of today it is that bad in the world right so this for you is is life <laughs> you're on That's mute i think uh, I don't think so. Um, no, I'm definitely not on mute. Uh, can you hear me, Julian? Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, you put me on mute. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, it's, so for you, this is life. And yeah, I, I think as I was uh, discovering the term um, about 10 months later, <laughs> that uh, it did feel like that it was, um, it was my generation because in my, in, you know, in my time, and Dr. Anley, uh, you know, news came at us three times a day. Whereas now, if you're if you're you're born into the internet age, it is all the time. But when you say, uh, Julian, about this uh, cynicism, is it that all sides are equally to blame at everything, or is there a desire to commit to a particular platform? Where doom scrolling comes into play, it would be trying to understand where you stand on either of them. And also seeing, I think the most important thing today is getting your balance of news. So you're seeing it from both sides. I think that is because you can, you know, you can click follow on both of these platforms. So you can see news from both sides. And I think that is the difference, I think, in terms of how a millennial would, or a, any young person would sort of engage with that sort of content because they're not maybe they're not going to choose sides until maybe a little bit later in their life but they're not going to decide not to vote instead they're going to maybe find out more on either side maybe they're going to take it as an opportunity to register to vote or even to go to take to the streets and mm -hmm. i think it's more of a, a call to action rather than a mm -hmm. Well, uh, hopefully so, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling a sense of panic and fear. Uh, but hopefully in a moment, Anne is going to help, help me out and help me find a solution to this <laughs> time of crisis by telling us about the toothpaste collection of uh, Dr. Val, I've forgotten it again, Korpikov. Uh, well, I don't know, it can't speak Russian, but uh, Korpikov, yeah. Oh, Korpikov. Okay, here on A Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, Julian Yap, and Anne Lee. And now, Anne, the toothpaste collection of Dr. Val Korp 
Perov. Perov, <laughs> I think, is Russian. I don't speak Russian. But yeah, uh, so Dr. Val um, is, is actually originally, uh, well, he's still a dentist. Um, and uh, the reason why I'm looking at this toothpaste collection, I think, like, like, like how you have said, uh, Cam, about, you know, my world has been made that much um, smaller by being kind of, you know, um, being confined to, to the house more than ever before and so on, so domesticated. And um, I went to buy a tube of toothpaste um, as part of kind of, you know, regular groceries. And uh, um, the chit where I was, uh, I was actually selling a different brand of toothpaste that I, that I haven't seen before. Um, and uh, I was struck by that, uh, but I'll go back to that in, in, in a second. Um, it, uh, I actually do uh, collect toothpaste, um, but uh, I wanted to tell you about Dr. Val's collection because it's very interesting. Um, so he, as a dentist, he starts, he wanted to find like how the number of teeth pulled by one particular dentist, which is, which is really quite grim, but couldn't find it. So in the end kind of went into kind of about 3,000 tubes of toothpaste that he's collected over the years. Um, and uh, he, the toothpaste is, is uh, he's got rare pieces, like um, the first toothpaste tube in space. Um, he has various kinds of flavors of toothpaste, um, whiskey, wasabi, um, <laughs> has, uh, um, Korean kind of pop culture. He also has Justin Bieber toothpaste. And, and he spent about like 50,000 US dollars on this collection. Um, now, uh, uh, I think, um, you know, as, as hobbies go, why would you collect toothpaste? In his case, well, you know, he's a dentist uh, uh, and this was kind of, that's his story about how it is. But I was shocked when I looked at uh, uh, the way he keeps the tubes. It's really literally like in his waiting room and they're all stuffed into kind of cupboards and you can't really see, you know, I mean, there's glass and you can see, but it's a very sort of quantitative approach. Whereas I would think that, you know, if with that many toothpastes, 3,000 over, um, you'd be able to have a kind of a curating kind of experience, you know, like, so, so for example, okay, the flavors of whiskey or the flavors of um, um, uh, the wasabi, because there's so many different flavors, right? I mean, there's uh, uh, earth, lemon, salt, these are a little bit more familiar. Uh, and coming back to the toothpaste th th that I bought the other day, it's actually um, um, entirely uh, uh, from the flavor supposed to match the kayu sugi, you know, the, the, this, the, f from the, the wood that um, the Prophet Muhammad was, uh, 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 um, well, from one particular academic article that I've seen, there's mention in seven or eight hadiths about how the prophet, um, brushed his teeth and how often and all that, but he used this. Uh, and I think it's quite interesting that, you know, in a collection like Dr. Val's, he's got so many, and he, you know, you see all these photographs of him surrounded by these tubes. Now I'm not talking about, sorry, the, 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 the packaging. The packaging is very telling, uh, but I think you, you can also just keep the tubes and you know, we need the, the box, I'm not sure, because, because the tube is, is vulnerable somehow. But for me, it started traveling here and everywhere and then bringing something back, instead of bringing me an owl or a, you know, something, I don't know, uh, just bring me some toothpaste uh, because I can also use it uh, and it's easy for you to, to carry. 
So um, I, 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 I am now at maybe about 10% of Dr. Val's collection. Uh, and his, his is going on, it's growing and growing. So hang on, 10%, but, you've uh, got like 300 then. Is, is my math correct there? A little less, a little less, yeah, yeah. Wow. And some of them are like copies of, ver you know, version of sort of, so, so it's a bit sort of like cheating, you know, it's not. But some of my uh, prize pieces would be kind of like, the, uh, I've got a tube where Daki went over to Dali toothpaste, for example. Um, that happened in 1989, and I have the original, well, I do admit to having the packaging as well as the tube. I'll, Arkham toothpaste I have, uh, which promises um, healthy gums, clean teeth, fresh breath, inshallah. Uh, and can I, can, I, can I ask you, you, you have nothing to, Dr. Val is a dentist. You have nothing to do with dentistry. Uh, why are you fascinated by collecting this? And do you collect anything else? Is, is this where you dedicate your life in terms of as a collector? <laughs> uh, I, I have some art books, um, yeah. But no, tooth, toothpaste, I think it's is, is really because of um, the, the packaging design first, you know, the, the kind of things that, uh, you know, it, it's so... Uh, it's only, I think it's about a 150 year old invention anyway, toothpaste. Uh, but I find that toothpaste is very sort of affordable uh, hobby to have. Um, um, and it tells you so much about a culture, you know, so, 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 so the tube and the Dr. Val has, has lots of tubes of, of the Miswak twig, you know, this kind of special, mm, mm. Uh, but he doesn't have, I, I, from what I can tell, some of the ones that, Bidding war. Communicating with him, but uh, it 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 provides a lot of uh, humor and amusement as well. I mean, you know, um, I've creation toothpaste that promises intense refreshment mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know regular. Refreshment. But, but can, sorry, can I go? So, so Julian, do you? I mean, are you uh, a toothpaste collector yourself? No, 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 no. This is incredible. I, I'm, a, I'm a marketing major to, in, in a long time ago. And I, I love consume, the packaging and how packaging has moved over time, consumer brands especially, is incredible to me. And especially with something like toothpaste, this is, I can't, my mind is, I, I love this so much. I can't believe that you, how, can I ask, how do you display it? Do you have it on the wall? Well, I think that's a great question because as I was complaining about Dr. Val's um, 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 uh, solution, I'm actually trying to solve it at the moment because um, in, in my house, there's a, there's a wall that I have decided I'm going to allocate for the toothpaste and it's how to display because you want to be able to, there's a thing, I think there's a certain kind of, um, I mean, you want to hold the tube and look around, you maybe mm -hmm. want to smell it, uh, I don't know. Uh, the tooth and, and you have to allow f for people to do that. And if you're not a museum of toothpaste, then you're not, you know, you, you're not going to get a lot of people, but people will want to. So maybe the, sh the, the, the it's like a glass, small glass shelves, uh, uh, you know, like, like how maybe in, in your bathroom you have, and then mm -hmm. you have the choice and maybe there's a, there's a ladder to take you to, to, to the top, which are the most rare pieces or something. So, you know, less kind of handling. <laughs> but, this, 
But this is incredible, Anne, because I've known you for a long time. I've even been to your house on several occasions. I have never seen a single tin of tea <laughs> toothpaste. <laughs> well, this, in this Covidian time, I'm, I, I'm, I'm coming out with this oh. confession um, because I think uh, things are, you know, it's perfectly regular to have a toothpaste collection in a Covidian time. Um, mm. uh, uh, so I, I'm not ashamed anymore uh, and I am, <laughs> I am very very clear that the rest of the world can go because previously you were I mean there was nothing to be ashamed about but I mean but previously you're a bit embarrassed about it were you I've never I've, no one's ever said oh Anne Lee and her toothpaste it's like never it never came up well I, I didn't have enough pieces maybe I can't I don't know what to tell you Ken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you have um, a goal I guess um, is there a specific type of toothpaste or, and I don't know, just in terms of your collection, would, is there something you'd like to get besides, you know, Dr. Balkopakov's, like that's the, that's the bar. That's is, bar yeah. yeah. Personally, do you have any other? Well, because I kind of slipped into it, I, I guess I just kind of, you know, the next person to give me a tube will be a, a little delight, you know, little things please little minds maybe, but you know, so I don't have a goal. I, I, I don't want to beat Dr. Val. I think, you know, he's well ahead and good luck to him. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I would like to know what else is there. I mean, apart from, there's going to be something else. And that's the point, I think. There's going to be something else and it's going to lift my heart and lift my spirits and join the rest of, uh, you know, the, 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 the most recent uh, um, uh, toothpaste I, I got is is actually um, um, black toothpaste uh, from charcoal and that's that's absolutely stunning um, and and the only other colored toothpaste I've had is red toothpaste which is actually toothpaste uh, sorry tooth uh, cream which supposedly is from for matadors you know you, you kind of put this oh sheet with a little redness and that's that's supposedly wow yeah, yeah. Can, I, can I ask? <laughs> yeah, you're good can I ask what, the, what was the first one that you had? Well, I think the first one was the the Al Arkham one because mm. uh, I, I, I I was in uh, advertising for a while, and just to be able to use, um, inshallah, as a kind of uh, guarantee in a way. Oops, sorry. As a as a way to, you know, because in advertising you cannot promise this, that, and the other. Uh, you, you, you better be very careful. So there's always a disclaimer. But I thought, wow, you know, if, with, with that disclaimer, who, you, you could never charge them with anything. You know, if you didn't have the fresh breath or clean teeth, then, um, you know, uh, uh, you'd be scot-free. Uh, and also I think, you know, um, that, that kind of combination of, of, of it being a part of, a very, you know, daily culture, uh, toothpaste. I mean, I don't know what will supersede it. There have been various efforts, uh, but so far, this is very much a part of everyday. Um, well, and can I, well, we have to finish uh, now, but, but can I just ask, is there, uh, in the toothpaste collecting world, is there a sort of arc of the covenant that, that, uh, that everyone's chasing after and you and Dr. Val will kind of like, and he'll be like, you're too late, Dr. Lee. And uh, <laughs> you know, is there one out there that, you know, 
Well, I, I, not, not, that I, not that I know of. I mean, it seems to be that kind of, you know, the only thing is that you, know, you, you can have more and more and more, which doesn't strike me as, as, as a, a relevant arc at all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, well, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Can I, just, can I just say? Can I just say very quickly? This has brought me so much joy. Without, with like the least, without any sort of cynicism. This, this has brought me so much joy, and I love that. How, I love how much joy, how little, the little joys that you get out of it is incredible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we look forward to going to uh, Anne Lee's uh, toothpaste museum. Yes, by appointment only. <laughs> <laughs> okay, white gloves given out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to move on, though, to uh, the final part of the show, recommendations. We recommend something that we think might be of interest, and Julian goes first. Unsurprisingly, this is BTS-related. Um, Cam, you'd be surprised to know that I haven't watched any new films in the last few weeks because my life has been completely consumed. So you know oh this, is, this is a new, this is a big thing for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would like to recommend... Um, uh, BTS's um, performance that they recently did on NPR. So um, NPR's Tiny Desk concerts are quite um, well known for having very stripped back, very um, intimate. So they bring different um, different takes to songs that are popular and usually pop songs or even you know any sort of song that usually you'd you'd expect in front of a massive stadium audience. But in in terms of NPR, you know, you'll have a tiny, tiny desk, maybe three or four people behind you and, you know, the vocalist. And they did an incredible performance. I think it's opened the, the, opened the door for a lot of people in terms of BTS. It's, a, it's only three songs. Um, I think it's about 10, 15 minutes long. Um, you can search it. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in BTS NPR. And it's, an, it's a really great performance just to see, um, just as a sort of little gateway into what they're like. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm, for you, Julian. I'm going to do that. Oh man, Cam, thank you. I will add my view to the presumably 150 million others. It's climbing as well. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So that recommendation is, uh, sorry, uh, BTS on NPR's tiny desk concert thingy, which is very good actually. And uh, mine is, uh, I uh, did watch something actually now that, you know, uh, Julian's checked out of the so all other culture. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, it was on uh, Netflix. It was uh, Enola Holmes, uh, which is uh, based on a series of books, pre-existing books, uh, but it's a reimagining of uh, as if Sherlock Holmes had a younger sister. Um, oh, okay. And she is absolutely not mentioned in the, the original Conan Doyle books, um, which I think actually has led to uh, court cases and the like. Uh, but the, this, it's a film. I thought it was actually going to be a series. It's a film. Very long film, uh, Enola Holmes. It stars oh, I've got her name now. Is it Millie Bobby Brown? Yep. Yep. Who who's really good? I'd actually seen her in a terrible film Godzilla, and I remember thinking, wow, she's really good. Um, she was like the only good thing about it. And then also not only that, but Millie Bobby Brown, who's I think only sixteen, actually produced Enola Holmes. So yeah, she she was the one who actually she she got the funding for it. She or she she liked she liked the books basically. Amazing, amazing. I mean, this is a movie mogul stroke star to look out for because she's very good. And, and I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes, but this was um, really good. So, and it looks really good, actually. It was a really good evocation of its time. And, and she has a very good, she makes a really good performance. So that's Enola Holmes, available on Netflix. 
Is, is that a film or, 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 or a series? It was a, it's actually a film. Okay. I, I was thinking it was going to be a series, but it's, it's like a two and a half hour film. It's very long. Um, so, uh, Anne, what's, what's yours? Well, um, as, as you know, I'm now trying to, you know, having done the thesis, I'm now trying to kind of write a readable book from it. Uh, and it, 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 it's quite difficult, um, but it's uh, uh, the kinds of things that I do is, you know, apart from go and have a look at my collection is, is to read things which would lift the spirit. So one of the things, I mean, it may, it, well, it's called, uh, it's, it's, it's Swaram, 30 Years of Defending Human Rights in Malaysia um, by Kwa Kiasung. And it's a public publication from last year, actually. But I have been kind of looking to see, you know, where are the things in a long-term kind of struggle for change? Uh, where are the, uh, the, the Phillips? Where are the achievements um, and the successes within something that, you know, serve to inspire others to continue. Um, and so I picked this up. You know, you talk about doom scrolling. Uh, there's a lot of doom scrolling to be had because of within that. But I had kind of forgotten about certain things. So, so you know, the idea that, um, I mean, the Internal Security Act was, has been repealed and it was repealed in 2011. Um, and although there's a raft of, of, of laws still which confine us even without a kind of um, deadly virus or without a, a kind of um, backdoor government, um, these, things, these things are, are um, achievements nevertheless. Um, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, even it's, it may seem like you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, for these things, but uh, I, I've, I found that I'd forgotten things that have been achieved. I've forgotten, um, you know, even uh, claims about the purchase of submarines and, you know, those kinds of stories, which, which you might say, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, that was then, you know, we're, we're, we're now and we're still kind of, you know, fighting these same old problems. Great to have too little mentions in 30 years but um i i i we forget we forget i forget you forget yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so so just to remind about the fact that there are achievements did you mention is this a specific publication or is just 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 to remind yourself just think about it yeah no no it's 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 uh, i got it from um Garak budaya um and yeah it's swaram 30 years of defending human rights in malaysia by the great Kwa Kiyosu. So, oh, well, great. Well, we should do that. Remind ourselves. So uh, we're going to sign off now. So therefore, it only remains to thank uh, Dr. Anne Lee. Thank you. The thank you, Cam. Malaysia's, Malaysia's toothpaste queen. And Julian Yap and myself, Cam Rustler. Now, Julian, I, I'm going to ask uh, producer Ali if he'll play out with uh, a BTS song. And who knows, at the end of this show, when you stop listening to us, a song with Korean and bits of English may begin, and it might be never BTS. before heard on BFN. <laughs> right. And what song would it be? Should it be? It, it would have to be their hit that's going on right now, topping the charts, Dynamite. Dynamite, yeah. Wow. I've never seen you like this, Julian. You're like a like a little schoolgirl. Yeah. You're kind I'm of worse like, in person. Yeah. Really? <laughs> is it is it a bit terrifying? Are you just yeah, like? Yeah. It, it, oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah? You got the I BTS lunchbox and everything. BTS thermos flask. Not yet, but I will do. <laughs> okay. Well, Thank cool. you, Dr. Ann. Thanks, Ken. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.